Guys, SaaS Open is our next big event in New York City, March 16th and 17th. We'll have a thousand SaaS leaders all sharing how they built their companies. Our keynotes are Henry Shuck, Marie Martins from Tally.SAO, Serby from Symbol, Christopher of DocHub, who had a big exit. Again, hundreds of speakers, a thousand plus attendees. And we've got folks bringing their entire executive teams because we have stages for founders, heads of product, head of finance and BD, CMOs and CROs, and then a people in HR stage. It's going to be special. Prices are increasing every week, so you don't want to wait. Go to sasopen.com right now to see what the ticket price is and lock in your spot today. Again, that's sasopen.com, March 16th and 17th in New York City. Tickets are almost sold out. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, he cold emailed a thousand people at Comcast and said, buy my drone mapping technology. We can inspect your telephone lines faster than anyone else. He got that contract on day one back in 2015. Today, he serves a lot of government agencies. This is the Air Force, military, etc. Uh, you know, doing about 3 million bucks in revenue today, but highly concentrated, looking to expand that to 9 million this year, growing. He's got 25 on the team to the 6 million Series A back in 2019, in addition to a couple million bucks in convertible notes that transitioned over. But again, scaling nicely here, team of 25, high revenue per employee. We'll see if he can triple this year. Hey, folks, my guest today is Joel Sullivan. He's the founder and CEO of Mapware. He is previously at Offerboard, which exited and has three little startups now at home. He's homesteading, a big flannel aficionado and a sick beard game. Joe, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it, man. <laughs> All right. So what, what is, what is, you know, drones are interesting right now. You're seeing what's happening in Ukraine. I don't know if, if there's a defense approach to anything you're building, but walk us through what Mapware does. Yeah, sure. Um, so Mapware is a software company. What we do is we take photos and using a process called photogrammetry, we transform them into uh, rich 3D maps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've, uh, what we've done is we've built that user workflow in parallel with a uh, drone flight automation workflow to be able to rapidly capture data off of a commercial off-the-shelf drone and to be able to use that geospatial intelligence workflow um, rapidly in any context. Mm -hmm. Um, It does have military applications and uh, actually our largest customers tend to be uh, the U.S. US Air Force and Army Corps of Engineers, those type of government customers are where we focus. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Are you working with Palantir at all? We are not, no. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I watched a big interview that they did on how they're helping the Ukrainians. And a lot of it has to do with these drone operators, Ukrainian drone operators in the middle of forest. They go up, they do reconnaissance, they plot images, they triangulate, then they push a button, they launch the missile, and boom, the Russians go. Uh, and they seem to say that a lot of their, a lot of what's enabling the Ukrainians to stay on top of things is there this drone map, this real time sort of drone mapping sort of software, um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But you're not. Yeah, it's cool. Them. I mean, well, so we're open. You know, we're open. Anyone can just go and and buy. And so I don't know. I see some traffic from Europe, but we're also not. Yeah. 
Who knows? <laughs> All right. Walk through the business model. What are customers paying on average per month or per year to use the technology? Yeah, sure. So it's a subscription model. Um, so it's one ninety nine a month for um, for our software, and uh, then that's an annually recurring license that people can can grab onto. Um, it's been it's been a bumpy road to be honest. And with what's kind of unique about us is again we're finding that most of our traction is within the government space. Um, and so we we wound up saying, okay, what's the what's the most that you can kind of put on a government credit card? And then let's kind of price a package that matches that. And now we have, you know, kind of government personnel that will go and and swipe and transact that way. So uh, it took a lot of user discovery to be able to realize this is where the product market fit is. And therefore, we have to price and package accordingly in order to to reach that market. Well, but Joe, so you avoided my, what's the average customer paying? Uh, is it $200 per month or is it that per month, per drone, per head? No, it's per month per user. Yeah. Okay, so, so about, one user could have ten drones and 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 upload gigabytes and gigabytes of new new pictures, but it's still just yep. it's price per seat. Yeah, exactly. So it actually and, winds up being a a pretty good deal for them. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, how do you are you typically signing up one person at one agency, or are these you know whether it's government or anyone else buying agriculture companies, or are they buying you know thirty seats at once? You know, what's the average customer paying in terms of number of seats? So it's a land and expand strategy. And what we've seen within the, the U.S. Um, drone marketplace is that it's mostly single owner operators. So it's typically okay. one guy buying one license. Okay. Um, we're seeing that, you know, with, within the government agencies, we're getting like thousand user orders or like several hundred users at a time, um, which has been great. But, you know, the commercial market, I feel like is still still feeling it around still still getting you know their hands on it i mean if you've got one group coming and buying a thousand seats at 200 bucks a pop i mean that's a two hundred thousand dollar a month contract am i doing that math right yes yeah, i mean is that i mean don't obviously name the customer but do you have people paying 200 grand a month like one entity that's a yes yeah i mean so yeah <laughs> if you're driving so and you it's... can't read joe's body language that's, that's a yes. <laughs> So it's it's a little bit tricky, right? Because I, you know, I can sort of talk about some of my contracts. Um and I can I can go into some details on like the use cases that we've been doing in environmental monitoring. Um so that may, maybe is a little bit easier to kind of get our arms yeah, around. I mean, look, let's just say let's just let's just ignore the government for a second. Let's say there was an environmental company, right? That that had a thousand yeah. seats, right? At two hundred, sorry, yeah. two hundred bucks a seat per month. I mean, that's two point four million bucks of ARR. I don't know how big you are, but that feels like a ton of customer concentration risk. How do you manage that? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an issue. It's a real problem. Um, and the way we do that is by being very hands-on and focused in a direct um, outbound kind of sales process, right? So I'm meeting with the customers and we have these this very high-touch sales process for that customer segment. Yeah. And then at the same time, we have this like super low-touch automated SaaS thing. So it's been a weird growth trajectory to try to do both of those. Yeah. Um, and what we're what we're finding is like sometimes we'll actually get that traction from the inbound and then go, wait a minute, I need to do this as like more of an outbound, higher touch sales process. Put this on a timeline for us. When did you launch the business? What year? 2015. Okay. 
Yeah. And were you like and we've a been... hobbyist in the space or how does this tie to your story? So we've been in, um, yeah, we went through some pretty serious pivots. Um, I've always been interested in, you know, I've kind of like had that startup itch. And so in college, I actually like started this notebook that I aspirationally titled 100 startups. And I would just like write down my ideas as I was going. Right. And I'm now at like 750 ideas. Right. And I'm sure you probably get this a lot. Like guys just like, hey, I got ideas. I just write down ideas. Apple notes, things like that. Yeah. 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 And so this one really took hold for me because I could see, okay, well, the market for um, robotics and and drones in particular is going up. It's clearly like there's tremendous demand for automation and you could actually structure. I, I kept saying, okay, how can I structure an annually recurring contract that takes advantage of robotic automation? And um, <laughs> we pivoted through a bunch of different answers to that question it originally started as, okay, maybe I can do subscription crop dusting. Um, and we looked at all the different ways that that could work, then realized, wait a minute, trying to bang my head against two regulatory agencies would be a total nightmare. Um, and um, within the first year of our business, we had kind of said, okay, we'll, we'll structure this more as like a solution get our arms around it. And we um, we started with kind of a fully integrated disaster response um, package. So um, right out of the gates. Well, Joey, here, we got to go faster because we only have five minutes left here. So you disaster recovery, okay. 2015, and then you, you eventually pivot into the space. Now, just, I guess, maybe walk me through who your first customer yeah. was. How'd you get your first customer? Yeah. Um, so our first major customer was Comcast. And we got that customer by emailing a thousand employees at Comcast, and then <laughs> finally the getting line? in touch. <laughs> oh God, I don't even remember. I, it was something like, you know, drones are awesome, and we could save you guys a ton of money. On um, what? Why would Comcast need drones? So I had worked the numbers on what it takes for them to do an inspection of telephone lines, and realized that drones could do it at like a tenth of the cost. Uh, and we figured that out and we actually ran a prototype and we did it and it was awesome. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Okay. So that's Comcast and fast forward today. How many customers are you working with? Um, <laughs> so the bulk of our customers are concentrated in the U S government. Like we basically have, we, we basically this year made a decision to almost ignore the commercial market in order to satisfy the government market. Oh, so you so, have like three or four, co- it's like Comcast, the U.S. Air right. Force, and one other one. Yeah, it's like U.S. Air Force and U.S. Army and maybe U.S. Navy this year, and that's good. Interesting. Yeah. So so you've totally turned off sort of a hobbyist market where they won one, one person from their home paying you 200 bucks a month for one seat. You've sort of, you're not, you're not going that, that it's route on anymore. A, yeah, that part of the business is kind of on autopilot. And we're just okay. saying, hey, look, if you self-sign up, that's cool. But how many the there though? I'm curious. I mean, it's a small part of your business, but how many are like single operators paying 200 bucks a month? Um, I'd have to check the stats. I'd say we're probably about off the cuff, uh, five thousand users. How many of those are now, paying? We have a lot of free, yeah, small, yeah. 30, 40, something like okay. that. 
Okay. So you yeah. found a niche. You're a little scared that you're so concentrated, but it also seems to be printing money for you. So you're sort of okay with it. How many folks are full-time on your team today? We're at 25. 25. Okay. And have you done all this bootstrapped or did you decide to raise money? We raised a pretty significant amount of cash. Um, so we've done about 10 million in equity and another 12 as like a line of credit. Okay. When did yeah. you do the equity deal? Uh, 2019. Okay. And was that all one 10 million series A in 2019 or was it split up? Uh, it was also like some convertible notes that flipped and things like that. Okay. But just the equity portion of the round that you did in 2019 was how much? Um, it was 10 million. That's what kind of what I'm saying. Okay, so when the notes convert, maybe I'm not if understanding. Raised, if you had if you had raised pre, Joe, the way convertible notes work, if you raise previous convertible notes and they're converting into a round, some people might include that conversion in the 10 million. Others would say the extra yep. four million in convertible notes go on top of the 10 million. So I'm asking, was the 10 million inclusive of historical convertible notes or not? Yes, it was. Okay, so that's why I was asking, how much was new equity raised, not convertible notes, of the 10 million in 2019? That's what I was curious about. Yeah, sure. Um, got it. Uh, six million. I want to say. Okay, and looking back really now, really testing my memory here. We're going in. I mean, come on, that's not something you forget. Uh, I mean, that that's a lot of dilution. <laughs> I assume you care about equity, right? Yeah. I mean, Joe, do you care about equity? <laughs> Did you do you care about keeping equity? Obviously, I assume there was a negotiation there on the six million to make sure you had as little dilution sure. as possible, right? Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Fair enough. Look looking back now would you change anything was that the right right move for where you were at the time um i i think yes i would change some some things i'd probably want to have a more comprehensive plan and i think you know if i'm being honest we went kind of piecemeal convertible note but you know kind of just one step in front of the, in front of the next um and if I could do it all over again, I probably would have said, here's a comprehensive plan on how we would spend 10 million, not mm -hmm. here's something that gets me to next quarter. So, yeah. Yep. So, yep. yes, that, there are lots of things I would have done differently. <laughs> yep. Well, guys, a big lesson you can take from Joe is how we got Comcast on day one. That's a big enterprise account. Look, Joe, I'm sort of, I'm sort of guessing. Do, do they, do they only, they don't, I assume they don't need one seat, right? They probably buy one seat for every geography or something. Well, yeah, and our pricing model was totally different there. We were doing by square mile at the time. And so we basically said, hey, we'll map an entire city for you for like a quarter million dollars. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then they just said, we want to buy all of these geos. And then boom, you have the price. Yep, exactly. Yep, interesting. Well, talk to me about growth. Where do you want to get by the end of 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think we're on track to triple in size. Um, which is that's in terms of revenue or headcount or what? Uh, revenue. Yep. Okay. So we're trying to keep headcount still really, really lean. Yep. Um, but you know, we're talking about putting a target up there of 9 million. Yeah. I was going to say, yep. I, I'm doing math 25 employees now at an average revenue per employee of 140,000 puts you at about a 3 million run rate today. You think you can break a 9 million run rate by the end of the year? That's based on our current deal pipeline. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, look, land and expands a powerful strategy, especially when it's the US government and they can sort of print money. That's a nice customer to have. Uh, <laughs> Joe, yeah, if you're, it if, is. You're a, yeah. if you're at a 3 million run rate today, where were you exactly a year ago? So we can calculate your historical run rate. Oh, man. Uh, yep, 1.5. You're making okay, me spill all the beans here, Nathan. 
I know, man. That's the name of the, that's the name of the game, brother. Um, that's still healthy growth. You didn't raise any new equity the last 12 months. So that's all just expanding into current accounts. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. How do you manage your equity investors from 2019? You know, I assume you have board meetings and they say, Joe, how do you grow faster? You only doubled this year. You should be doubling like way faster. How do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, I've been very fortunate to have pretty chill investors that are like, hey, look, we trust you and you know, we we understand the plan. Um, but that also comes with needing regular communications, right? So we put forth, you know, an annual budget, we do a weekly status update. We're doing uh, quarterly check-ins on our fork and reforecasting, and so all that kind of helps to to keep uh, that level of trust high. Yeah. Who? Who? What? I mean, what's the? Who buys you? Does the U.S. government buy you? How do you get? How do you make money off it? Off it? I mean, do you IPO one day? How do you make money off of this? Yeah. What's the exit strategy? Um, well, I hate asking that. Tough, if you man. love what you're doing, you I don't want to exit, right? But like, how do you? <laughs> How do you make money? How do you exit? As a founder? I don't know, man. I, it's a great <laughs> question. I think there's a very small number of uh, investors who would like who would potentially buy this at, at the PE. So, okay, within the government space, there's maybe like 70 investors, okay, that are willing to take on this type of company. So it's a pretty small pool all around. Um, and I think actually, um, you know, A16Z has been doing a lot around American dynamism that's really interesting and worth watching. Um, but there's there's only a very small number of players here. So you're either going to jump the chasm into system integration and say, okay, you know, the Lockheeds of the world or the Boeings need our, need our product and they're going to bolt us in. Or, you know, some drone manufacturer wants this as an add, kind of value add add-on. Um, or... PE or IPO, but you know, it's not, it's, it's kind of a weird niche. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't there, I mean, aren't there a ton of companies that sell to governments that could see this as a way to increase ARPU across their accounts, start upselling drone mapping software? I mean, Palantir is a buyer. I mean, there's, I got imagine there's hundreds probably that sell to DOD, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so part of our strategy for the coming years is like bolting our mapping software into drone systems and kind of doing a bundled sales strategy. Yeah, if I was a hedge yeah. fund, can I pay you to go put a drone above the McDonald's on the corner and tell me how many cars go in and out every month to try and predict McDonald's next earning call? Maybe. <laughs> that's that's a tough use case. I think you'd be better off using satellite data. Interesting. Do you have any hedge fund clients today? Uh, no. Interesting. Have you pursued it or no? You want to, don't want don't want that market. Nah, it's well. So hedge funds are tricky, right? Because if if you actually develop a truly unique signal, they're going to be super greedy and gobble that up, right? So your market is basically one hedge fund. And then if you sell to all the hedge funds, then there's no strategic advantage to the hedge funds. Yeah, no alpha. So your value goes way down. Yeah, right? So it's like, how do you price a product with one customer? It's worse than selling to the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you have, you, have, you have four branches you can sell into at least, right? <laughs> Very right. cool, Joe. This is a hell of a story. Congrats. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, your favorite book. Oh, man. Uh, off the cuff, uh, high output management. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, well, I do love Andy Grove quite a bit. So I'll I'll put Andy Grove for that one. Yeah. And number three, what's your favorite online tool for building mapware? Um, 
lately, chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Um, I am a steady eight hour kind of guy. That's good. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, three kids. Busy guy. How yep. old are you? So I am 36. 36. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Um, majors don't matter. What doesn't? Majors. <laughs> like the school. School major. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's very fair. Guys, he called the email to 1,000 people at Comcast and said, buy my drone mapping technology. We can inspect your telephone lines faster than anyone else. He got that contract on day one back in 2015. Today, he serves a lot of government agencies. This is Air Force, military, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, doing about $3 million bucks in revenue today, but highly concentrated. Looking to expand that to $9 million this year, growing. He's got 25 on the team to the $6 million Series A back in 2019, in addition to a couple million bucks in convertible notes that transitioned over. But again, scaling nicely here. Team of 25, high revenue employee we'll see if he can triple this year joe thanks for taking us to the top yeah pleasure talking to you nathan take care